Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So we're in the book of Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 8. Uh, we've been in the series for eight weeks, and uh, it's been an exciting series. Uh, we're really learning about um, the, the apostles and the birth of the church and what's all taking place as God is, is uh, moving through the power of Holy, His Holy Spirit. And, and our theme of the book of Acts is serving Christ together because that's really what's taking place is that all of a sudden Jesus has ascended into heaven. Now all of a sudden, he's given this commandment to his people. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now he sends his apostles out, and the apostles are getting people saved, and the, and the church is growing, and there's a dynamic that is taking place, and lives are being changed. And, you know, it's, I've heard it said that the, the book of Acts really never stops. We're, we're, still, we're still included, the book of Acts, as, a, as a, the move of the gospel continues in our world. Amen? Amen? So today we're looking at Acts 8. And the persecution of the church continues to intensify. Stephen has just been stoned to death. We talked about that last week. He's been stoned to death with Saul's approval. Saul is, later will become the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest evangelists in the New Testament. But right now, he's against God. He's against the church. He's against that whole direction. It's amazing to see what a life can do when all of a sudden it gets a hold of by God. It can turn it around from evil to, and turn it around for good. Amen? So let's, re, let's begin uh, at the second part of verse 1 of chapter 8. And we're going to go read verses 1, 3, and 4 today. Um, a great wave of persecution began that day. Sweeping, now that day is talking about after Stephen was stoned and they buried Stephen. So that day a great persecution began. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And then skipping down to verse 3. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that it is powerful, it is effective. And today I pray, God, that your word touches our life. That it's just not words on a page, but Lord God, that the power of your spirit that we talk about week in and week out will bring those words, Lord God, so that they are a, revel a fresh revelation in our lives. So Lord God, they won't be dormant, but they will be life-changing to us. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? The first thought that I want to share with you today is that God uses all things for his purpose. We see this in verses 1 through 8. This statement doesn't mean that God causes all things. Doesn't mean that. But God does allow some things to take place. Those things that take place that we don't understand are the ones that we ask, why, Lord? Why did this take place? Why is this happening? Why? We don't understand. And sometimes we don't understand uh, how God allows certain things. But when it happens, guess what? If we're following, listen to the scripture in Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. That's a promise. Who have been called according to his purpose. If we love God and we've been called according to his purpose, it doesn't matter what happens to you. God can take what happens to you and turn it around and use it for his good. I love that. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited right there. As you can see from the scripture, Saul was on a rampage. Persecution of the way had just increased to a whole new level. 
They're literally dragging people out of their homes. They're locking them up in jail. Saul was not a lover of God, nor was he called according to God's purpose at this point. He was actually against God. All the believers were being scattered because of the persecution that Saul was, was, t- that Saul was taking place. But I want you to think about this. At this point, there would have been thousands of believers in the church. We know this because if you remember when the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came down, all of a sudden Peter comes out of, of that upper room experience, and all of a sudden he starts to uh, share a message. And it says on that day, over 3,000 people were added to the church. Come on, amen. And then we also know that it was Peter and John on their way to the uh, temple. As they passed through the gate beautiful, I shared about this message. They were passing through the gate beautiful. And they see a lame man who was lame from, the, from, very, from his birth. And all of a sudden, Peter is the one that says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And all of a sudden, there was a new excitement in the church. And all of a sudden, the synagogue was going crazy because they seen this man from the time of he, he was a child. He's been begging there at the temple gate. All of a sudden, now he's right, risen up and he's walking. You'd get excited as well. You'd praising God. It says on that day, 2,000 people were added to the church. So we know that there's at least 5,000 and probably more than that believers in Jerusalem at that point. Now they're all being scattered because of the persecution of Saul. They're being scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And in today's world, that might not be, sound very big. It's probably about, just to kind of give you a perspective, it's probably about two and a half times the size of Orange County. But you got to remember that in those days, there was no, uh, there was no motor vehicles. There was no trams. There was no buses. Uh, it was foot, you know, foot. If you're wealthy, you might have a donkey or a camel. Or, or if you're really wealthy, you might have a, car- a carriage. But otherwise, that's how you were traveling. And so all of a sudden, what's taking place, these, in, and they said Jerusalem, probably back in that day, was maybe just a, about a, a square mile, maybe a little bit more than that. It wasn't very big. And approximately 30,000 to 60,000 residents in Jerusalem at that point. And so it kind of gives you a kind of perspective. Annette and I got, a couple of years ago, got to go to Italy, and we went to Pompeii. And it's kind of cool because the city is kind of, you walk through the cobblestone streets, you can actually walk into the houses, and you kind of get this sense, back in those days, they could cram a lot of people in a very small area of space. And so you have all these people in Jerusalem, and it's been, pers- persecution has taken place, and all of a sudden, all these believers, if they're not being arrested, they're scattering out through Judea and Samaria. I have this image, it's almost like when a farmer has a bag of seed. Everything's contained in that bag. Can you imagine that? A bag of seed. And then all of a sudden, he reaches, opens up that bag, he reaches in that bag, and he starts to all of a sudden spread the seed out to start to be able to have new crops. And, and he starts to throw the seed out everywhere as he's going, he's throwing it out. So it's going from this one container out, and it's spreading. Well, that's what's happening to the church. The church, the believers are all in Jerusalem. Now, all of a sudden, they're spreading out from Judea and Samaria. It's kind of like the Amazon takeover. You know, there's a distribution center in every community, you know. All of a sudden, God is distributing the believers into new communities for his purpose. It goes from one square mile to approximately now, it's over 2,200 square miles. It was spreading the gospel. And it should remind all of us, catch this, God can move us at different times in our lives so that we can impact the lives of others. 
Annette and I have discussed this in our own lives, and it could be moving you in a job area, it can be moving you in a location area, it can be moving... And then I've discussed it, how there's been times when we've been called by God to move and go a different direction. And when we have done that, we have watched how God has used us in a new place to touch new lives, to touch new people. God will move you for his purpose. It's an amazing. Now, let me give a disclaimer. We have enough people leaving Southern California. You don't get any, you get any ideas, okay? All of a sudden, you got to confirm it with your pastor first and make sure I know it's God that's asking you to move, okay? Stay put. For those that are already moving, I'm blessing you right now. So don't, no, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. But I share this because God does direct his people. And we see this throughout the Bible. We see Abraham is called by God to go to a new land. We see it when Moses is called by God to lead the, lead the children of Israel. We see it throughout the, the Bible. The apostle Paul goes from city to city to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now in verse 5, we're coming into this, this the, chapter 8, and we see this new man that's introduced uh, to the scripture, and his name is Philip. And the first time we hear Philip's name is actually back in Acts chapter 6, because he's one of the seven men that are chosen to all of a sudden be in charge of this feeding program. Remember we talked about the feeding program a couple weeks ago? where all of a sudden there were the widows and, and they were all upset that some widows weren't get, being fed. And, and so uh, the, the apostles said, you know, we can't take our time to do all this. Let's, let's anoint seven new people that can lead this program. And, and Stephen was one of them. And remember, Stephen was stoned last, not last week, but in our message, he was stoned. Remember? And now, yeah, glad. And now all of a sudden we come into Philip. And Philip is one of those seven men that was chosen by God to be an administrator of this feeding program. But once again, he is scattered, and he goes into a city in Samaria, and all of a sudden, he's making impact in people's lives. Today, I want to look at how God strategically moved Philip to impact people and how Philip responded to God's purpose. If you read the first 25 verses of chapter 8, you discover that Philip was scattered to a city in Samaria, and through him... Tremendous miracles were taking place. Things were going crazy. People were getting saved. They were getting healed. The power of God was moving. In fact, if you read the scripture in, in chapter 8, it states in, in, in chapter 8 that all of a sudden that there was darkness in the land. That there was people that were literally demon-possessed. They had demons inside of them. What kind of church did I just step here? I'm a guest, and all of a sudden the guy's talking about demons. Who, what is church is this? It's in the Bible. Okay, I'm just reading Bible. It's in the Bible. And it says that when, when all of a sudden uh, uh, Philip came in and he prayed and people were praying, it says that the, the demons left the bodies. And when they left, they left screaming. That's what it says in Scripture. They were screaming. Pastor Tom. Now, some of you kind of, you know, you're going to, can I tell you something? This is some of the most exciting stuff I've ever heard. Why? But, you know, Brett's been in a series with the youth, and it's called, and it's been a great series, called Chasing the Darkness. And you hear that statement, you think, Chasing the Darkness. But let me tell you something. 
This is what's taking place. This is the epitome of what's happening in Philip's life. When he walks into the city in Samaria, he's chasing after darkness. You see, the reason that the demons were screaming as they were leaving, because when light enters darkness, darkness is no more. When light comes in and enters into the dark places of your life, if you surrender your life to Christ, if you open up your heart to Jesus, guess what? Whatever darkness is in there, it can no longer stay there because Christ is in you. When all of a sudden, when he walked in, Philip walks into this community, and all of a sudden, this darkness that had been there, it was being set free in the name of Jesus. Samaria had been under darkness for a long time. The people had been following a sorcerer, and his name was Simon, and the darkness was upon the people, and they were being set free from this darkness, and the demons had no, no choice but to flee the righteousness of God. And Scripture declares that there was great joy in the city if you're living in darkness and that's all you know and you've been stuck there trapped and all of a sudden light comes in and your eyes are open there is great joy that's taking place in that city it says that even Simon believed the sorcerer believed and he was baptized now we don't know what the outcome of Simon was because Peter had to rebuke him because he was trying to profit by the power of the Holy Spirit So Peter had to rebuke him. I just kind of believe, some people don't believe, I just kind of believe that Simon turned his life around. I really do. That he kept, continued to move forward after God. But revival was taking place. Now, we're going to walk into the text that I want to focus on today for today's message. And it's verses 26 through 34. This was just a warm-up, so get ready. Here we go. I know it's not a traditional Father's Day message, but... I love just preaching God's word. Amen. Verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. I'm glad that I didn't serve in the government in those days because they were all eunuchs. So (laughs) might work for today's government. Anyhow, a eunuch of great authority (laughs) under the Kandik. The queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had, if you don't know what eunuch is, look it up later. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over, the, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. And this is a passage of scripture that's found in Isaiah chapter 53. Have some little music background too. Isaiah chapter 53 says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. And then eunuch asked Philip. See, the Holy Spirit's already working in this eunuch's life. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this, the same scripture, Philip told him, the good news about Jesus. Come on. How cool is that? God has already set it up, and all of a sudden Philip is, is, is touching this man's life. And, and in this passage of Scripture, there's two thoughts that I want to leave with you today that I believe that we can take home with us that can change our lives if we're open to the power of his spirit. The first one is this. 
the first thing that we can apply it to our lives is devote yourself to God's purpose. Amen. Devote yourself to God's purpose. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip to leave from where he was ministering. Everything in Samaria was amazing. It was going great. People were getting saved. People were being healed. They were being delivered from the demonic spirits. Things were going great. And all of a sudden, God sends an angel to Philip and says, you need to go. You need to leave. You need to move on. And it's a reminder for all of us that we need to be surrendered to God's purpose no matter what. Many times in life, we make our own decisions. What I mean by that, I've experienced this, and maybe your life, maybe this, you know, resonates with your life. There's times in my life where all of a sudden I've just gotten, been given opportunities. And I really feel like there are opportunities that God has given me the ability to choose from. And those are great times in my life. But then there's also times in my life where I don't have, op- I have one area where God has said, this is what I need you to do. And it's very, it's very pointed, it's very focused, and I have to obey that. And those are the times that we have to step out of our comfort zone many times, and we have to follow after God. Because sometimes God will direct you specifically to do something. Are you willing to be directed by God? What happens in us is so many times, as believers, we get comfortable. We get complacent. We get used to certain things. We sit in the same seat every Sunday because we like that seat. If someone else sits in that seat, why are you sitting in my seat? That's my seat. I, you, know, you know, I pay tithes to this church. That's my seat. Why are you sitting in my seat? Get over yourself. That's not your seat anymore, okay? That's that person's seat. There you go, amen? But so many times what happens in our life, we get comfortable. You don't have to move your seat. You don't have to move anyone. Just stay where you're at. We get comfortable. And what happens is God has to take us out of our comfort zone because sometimes in our comfort we can miss God's purpose for our life. Let me remind you of this truth. Sometimes God's purpose can be difficult. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that everything that God's going to ask you to do is going to be easy. Or going to be glory. I mean, it's always going to be glorious, in my opinion. It's always God's going to receive the glory. But it's not necessarily going to be easy. There's times in our life what God asks us to do, it can be difficult. I would think that Philip must have wondered, God, why are you taking me away from the success that's taking place? I'm about ready to build this mega church here. I mean, things are going so well. Now you're asking me to travel down this lonely road in the desert down towards Gaza? God doesn't tell Philip what he's, going to, what he's asking him to do. He just says, go. Yet it doesn't appear anywhere in Scripture where Philip all of a sudden questions God or fights against God. He just does what God tells him to do. It should remind us that as followers of Jesus, we walk by faith and not by sight. When all of a sudden you get the pink slip at work, are you going to walk by sight or are you going to walk by faith and say, you know what, God, you got something new for me. There must be a new purpose for my life that you're calling me to do. All of a sudden, you decide that all of a sudden you're going to have to move. And you're like, I don't want to move. I don't want to. But, but maybe God has put in your pathway something new that you need to move forward to. All of a sudden, you've been married. And all of a sudden, your wife all of a sudden puts the tooth, forgets to put the toothpaste. That never happens. All of a sudden, your husband forgets to put the, the cap on the toothpaste. Or the toilet paper on the wrong side, how it rolls out. And you go, God, why did you give me this husband? You know what? You walk by faith and not by sight. 
Do you follow what I'm saying? There's times in our life that we don't understand the purposes of God. But if God calls us to do something, if he's called you to marry that person, if he's called you to that job, if he's called you to that area, then obey God and follow. Amen. Not everything God asks us to do will be easy. I don't think it was easy for Philip to leave the city where he was all of a sudden things were prospering. I don't think it was easy for Jesus to be led into the desert. If you remember, all of a sudden Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. He comes out of the water and all of a sudden the dove comes down and, the, and the, a voice from heaven, his heavenly father, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And immediately following that is that the Holy Spirit took Jesus right into the desert for 40 days of fasting and prayer and temptation by the devil. Really? I don't want that. I don't think it was easy for Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach a message of repentance. It wasn't easy for Moses to lead the children of Israel for 40 years wandering around the desert. It wasn't easy for Jesus to go down to the, the Via Della Rosa, the pathway to the cross. But he did because it was God's purpose for his life. So many times we try to equate God's purpose for what is most convenient or comfortable for us, and then we deny God's purpose if it becomes too difficult. I had breakfast with one of our missionaries this week that we support from this church. Thank you for your mission support. Thank you for faithfully supporting missions each and every month. But I got the privilege of having breakfast, and I don't share their name because they're in a sensitive area and it's difficult, and I don't want to attach those two things. But man, I was so encouraged after my breakfast. He was sharing what God was doing. They're serving in China. They're doing a phenomenal work, an amazing work, him and his wife. They have a Bible college in China where they're raising up students. They're training them for one to two years, and then they're sending them out to pastor these underground churches or these local churches that, that really the government is against. Now, I tell you what, what they've been called to do is not easy. They've been doing it for a long time, and they have been faithful. But you know what? When I sat down at breakfast with him, you would never know that there was anything hard in his life. He was just filled with the joy of the Lord. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And it's, it's something I need to declare over you. Just because God is calling you to do something difficult, if it's God's purpose in your life, then you're going to find the joy of the Lord in that, and that will be your strength to carry you through those difficult times. There's some truth there that you need to take home with you today. It's the power of God working in and through your life. It reminds me of the statement that Peter made. We must obey God rather than men. When he was brought before the Sanhedrin and he was being questioned. And they were asking him, you know, and they told him not to declare Jesus' name. Not to speak in the name of Jesus. And he said, no, 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 we can't do that. Because we've got to obey God rather than you. You know, I think we can apply Peter's statement to our own thinking. I must obey God rather than my own desires, rather than my own thinking, rather than my own thoughts. I must obey God. You know you can wrestle with yourself at times? There's times in your life you can talk yourself right out of God's purpose, right out of God's will. And there's times in our life that we need to say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to obey my thoughts. I'm not going to obey my desires. I'm going to obey God's desires in my life. A new opportunity for God's purpose was being opened up to Philip. But it would only be revealed to Philip through obedience. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves the tough questions. Am I accomplishing the purpose that God had intended for my life? Fulfillment is found 
in our devotion to God's purpose in every area of our life. The second thought and last thought that I want to share with you today that we can apply to our lives is we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Not just listen, we need to obey the Holy Spirit. Verse 29 states that the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and specifically he said, go over to the carriage. And I want you to look at how Philip reacted to the Holy Spirit's voice. When he said, go over to the carriage, how did Philip, did he, well, okay, I'll just go over there. Holy Spirit's asked me to, God's asking me to. What does it say in scripture? It says that he ran. That convicted me so hard when I heard that and I read that in Scripture. I thought, I need to respond to God's voice in a new and a fresh way. I can't just lackadaisically just go, okay, well, God spoke. I'll get around to it next week. No, if God speaks in your life to do something, you need to follow after it. You need to be a Philip. You need to run after what God's purpose is in your life. You need to run after it. You don't need to take time to pray about it. You don't need to take time to discuss it with some other people in your, that are friends of yours. You don't need to take time to, to you don't, if God, if God spoke, why do you need to delay? If you know that, if you know that God spoke to your life, all you have to do is follow. That's a word that someone needs to grab a hold of right now. And I love the response of his spirit, of Philip, how he responded so quickly to the spirit of God. Philip wasn't going to miss out on an opportunity by missing that chariot. He was out to win. It kind of reminds me, I was watching a, a show the other day, and they were showing swimmers and how a swimmer explodes off that starting block. They just go, and it, it's really important how they enter into that water, the trajectory, trajectory, yeah, whatever that word is, how they enter into that water. It's really important. If they go too deep, it can slow them down. If they just hit the surface, it can slow them down. See, the greatest speed that a swimmer will have is off the starting block. That's the, that's the fastest velocity that they will achieve in the entire race. In fact, the fastest swimmers, many times in a short race, they don't necessarily win. The person that wins is the one that can get off the starting block, block the quickest. And there's times in our life I think we miss out on opportunities when the Holy Spirit speaks into our lives because all of a sudden we're just too slow to start and all of a sudden God says, okay, move on to that one. And God wants you to be the one that's going to be quick to respond to the voice of the Lord so you can follow after his voice and you can accomplish the purpose that he has designed for your life. Holy Spirit was asking Philip to engage with this high-ranking eunuch. We don't even think about what the Spirit was asking God, what the Spirit was asking Philip to do. I mean, here's a guy in a chariot. Eunuchs were high officials in those days because they were serving the government. And all of a sudden now Philip is supposed to go over there and talk to this. He's interrupting him while he's reading the book of Isaiah. He's a, Philip doesn't know if he could be arrested. I mean, they're persecuting the church. They're especially not, not the church, they're persecuting the way, the people that were following after Christ. But nothing was going to stop Philip from moving forward to God's purpose. If Philip would have listened to his own thoughts, I wonder if he would have talked himself right out of obedience. Yet Philip obeyed without hesitation. He didn't weigh out the consequences. He didn't seek out the advice of others. He didn't step away to pray about it. He immediately responded. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek out wisdom. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray about decisions. But when God speaks, just follow when Jesus told his disciples, follow me, it wasn't up for debate or discussion. It was a choice. Follow me now because I'm walking. Are you going to follow me or not? 
He didn't wait. Read through scripture. He says, follow me. They either chose to follow or not. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus talks about it. He asked two men to follow him. One man said, oh, let me go home and bury my father. Reasonable response, right? And Jesus responds, let the dead bury the dead. The other guy says, let me go home and just say goodbye to my family. <coughs> Jesus responds, no, follow me. And sometimes we read that scripture and we think, man, that's so harsh. Why is God, no, 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 you don't understand. You see, what, what Jesus was trying to do and what God is continually doing in our lives, it's not that any of these things are wrong, but he wants to be number one in our life. It's a reminder that our highest priority is never about the worldly concerns. Our highest priority is about following Jesus. Amen. Philip didn't want to allow the what-ifs in life to distract him from obeying the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not that we shouldn't seek out that advice, but we just need to follow after God. When you know God is speaking, don't delay. Hesitation to the Holy Spirit's voice, catch this, will do three things, I believe, in your life. First, it will lead you to failure. Not that God can't redeem, but it will. Hesitation to the Holy Spirit's advice or leading will bring you to about disappointment in your life. And ultimately, it will rob you of fulfillment. This story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, it's an amazing story. And as the eunuch was reading from the book of Isaiah, Philip enters the scene and asks the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? Instantly, it opens up a conversation. Philip, I believe the Holy Spirit was working through this whole thing, and Philip enters into, this, into the carriage with the eunuch, gets a free ride, and they're basically doing Bible study on the road. And the passage that the eunuch was reading was the prophecy that, Jesus, that was about Jesus' crucifixion. This gave Philip the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. As a traveler traveling down the road, the eunuch all of a sudden sees some water along the side of the road. He's being saved. He's being changed. He's being transformed. And he looks at Philip. He says, Philip, there's water alongside the road. Why can't I be baptized? I love this. I mean, I love this. He is so passionate about God. Immediately, the eunuch says, stop. And the carriage stops, and they go out, and he's baptized in water. Philip baptizes him right on the spot. When the eunuch comes out of the water, another miracle takes place. Immediately, all of a sudden, Philip is just all of a sudden gone. He just, God transports him to a new location to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's important that we recognize that God is using Philip to fulfill his purpose. I want you to listen to this prophecy found in God's word in Isaiah chapter 56. In verses 3, 4, and 6. I believe it's really the fulfillment of what was happening on this day. God writes, for the, God writes in this. He says, don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be a part of his people. And don't let, don't let the eunuchs say, I'm, dried up, I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. Skipping down to verse 6. I will also bless foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not just desecrate the Sabbath day of rest and who hold fast to my covenant. 
I share this because God is a compassionate God. He is a good, good dad. He's a good, good father. He loves all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 Timothy 2.4 declares God wants all people to be saved and to understand the truth. God loves each people. That day, God used Philip to, for, to the fulfillment of God's word. God used Philip to fulfill his word. You're going to go after that eunuch. Philip had to leave something great, but God had a purpose for his life. I'm here to declare over each and every one of you today that God wants to use you to fulfill his word. Think about that thought. The word of God says that I want everybody to be saved. I want everybody to come to the knowledge and the truth of Jesus Christ. And God wants to use you you have a purpose in your life, and that is to fulfill the very Word of God, first to be saved, first to be, be sanctified by Jesus Christ, to commit your life to the Lord. Secondary is to go and reach other people for Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. That's great, Pastor Tom. So how do I do that? I'm so glad you guys asked. The same way Philip did it. You choose to be present wherever you're at. If you're at work, be present. Don't just go to work. I have to do work again. Go to work. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. God's going to do something great today. He's going to have VBS this week, and I know kids are going to get saved this week. In fact, we had like 80 kids come down to the altar. They all got saved that day. What is God asking you to do? Be present. Don't be hiding in your cave. Get out. Be present. Secondly, choose to be obedient. When the voice of God speaks to you, obey. Don't hesitate. Follow his leading. Follow. He has a purpose for your life. It's designed for your life. He doesn't want you to miss out. That's why the Holy Spirit is given to you to help you, to guide you, to direct you. He wants you to be all that He has called you to be. It sounds like the army, but it's not. It's God's army. He wants you to be all that you can be. Is that the Marines? I don't remember which one it is. Anyhow, you know what I'm talking about. If you remember back when you chose to follow Jesus, when you first came to the faith, probably someone was there encouraging you. And I want to create an environment in our church where we have the ability to encourage others towards the faith. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that your word does not return void. That your word is powerful, it is effective, and Lord God, with the power of your Holy Spirit, it is life-changing. And I pray today, God, that many of us here be reminded once again that you have given each and every one of us a purpose, a plan for our lives. It's not just to be locked away. It's not just to be hiding. It's not to be, but we're called to be light in the darkness. We're called to be, make a difference wherever we are. So Lord God, I surrender myself to your purpose and to your calling. Lord God, I pray for those who maybe have never surrendered their lives to follow after you and you're knocking on their door right now and they know it they feel it in their spirit that you're right there 
and they have never surrendered to you, I pray, God, today is the day of salvation. I pray today is a day where they will take a step of faith and say, today I choose to follow you. That prayer is so simple for many of you here today. If you haven't made that decision or if you're watching us online and you haven't made the decision to follow after Christ, it's so simple. I share it with you today. All we have to do is just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sins. Set me free from myself. Today I choose to follow you. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. In Jesus' name. You say that prayer, you're set free, you're moving forward on a life of following after Jesus Christ. Then for many of you with eyes open, looking at me here today, I believe God is calling each and every one of you for a purpose. You might not realize that, but He is. He's knocking on your door. How do you know that, Pastor Tom? Read your Bible. You won't get away from it. God is calling you for a purpose, and that's to reach those who are unloved, who are lost, who are bound up with addiction, who are unforgiven. You are to bring a message of hope to people. God uses people. He does. Philip was used that day. I declare over all of us today, let us be used by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us make a difference. Amen? Amen. God good? All the time. All the time. He is good. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.